is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Hey, it's Jill. So if you are a first-time listener of BU, I'm super glad that you're here. I have a few people in mind who I think might be listening for the very first time. And the reason I say that is because I was out in my community where I live, and I ran into three people at one event who all fed back to this community in some way or another. So what happened was, well, first of all, backing up, I was about to leave to go to this event and I'm going to have her on the show at some point. My friend Shelly has been for three consecutive years and I should say all year for three years. So quite a bit of education and training and practice becoming an energy practitioner. And she was holding an event for two hours at a yoga studio today, all about chakras and meridians and just learning about them and how to work with them. And I thought, oh, that'll be interesting. I want to support my friend, but I also would like to go. So I attended and before I left the house, I went to, (laughs) okay, so the reason I didn't have much to choose from is because I can be very all or nothing. Like my closet will be super messy or it's immaculate. I'll have tons of laundry to do or no laundry to do. This is one of those times where I had a lot of laundry to do. So I didn't have a lot clean and I went to grab something that was clean and I had these sort of these black Nike sweatpants. And I have a cute black Nike sweatshirt. And I thought, oh, I'll put that on with it. That'll be cute. And I went to grab it. And right behind that sweatshirt was my BU sweatshirt. So we don't have any merchandise at this time. But when I launched the podcast, I had these sweatshirts made. And I mailed them as a gift to new listeners who were super supportive, who shared it with friends and did did ratings and reviews, et cetera. And that particular sweatshirt I've worn many times but I realized I don't represent the podcast out in public. I don't wear my brand. So I thought, why am I supporting Nike? I need to support my own brand. So something told me to put it on. So I put it on. As soon as I walked into the yoga studio, Stephanie, I don't know if you're listening, Stephanie approached me and said, hey, Jill, I listened to your podcast. It's Stephanie. I messaged you over the summer and told you how much I loved your show. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. Thank you so much. I had met her years ago, but I honestly forgot that connection in that moment. And then she introduced me to her friend and she told me she was going to listen to the show. Then we went into the actual class and the owner of the studio said, I just want to thank you so much for your podcast. And I said, wait, you're listening? She's like, oh yeah, I love it. And so hi, Sarah. And I was just 
so pleasantly, I won't say surprised, but I forget that people in my community might be listening and are listening. We have listeners all over the world. It's like 115 countries or something. And I don't picture people right here in my city for some reason. So I appreciated that so much. Why am I telling you this long convoluted story? Because it's related to what we're going to talk about. So I was super grateful. And then another person made a comment about the podcast. So three different interactions. And it shows that my intuition that was telling me to grab the sweatshirt was telling me that for more than one reason. And so it was confirmation to me that I am on the right track and that this is making a difference in the lives of other people and people are enjoying it. And so I want to say thank you. If you're visiting for the very first time, I'm glad you're here. I hope you listen to a few episodes because you'll find that the episodes, although they're all under the same umbrella of discovering and excavating and giving ourselves permission to really be our true healed whole self and the whole process of figuring that shit out, you know, some of the episodes are very, very deep and some of them are very spiritual and others are a little more light, which are just as spiritual, by the way, right? It's one of the most spiritual things you can do is to have fun and laugh and play. So I hope you listen because we have quite a variety of, of episodes on BU. So welcome if you are new. If you're someone who listens every week, I'm going to tell you once again, that I genuinely appreciate you. And I know that that your time is valuable. There are so many shows you could be listening to and we are distracted by so much on and off social media. I mean, there's just so much that wants our attention. And so the fact that you're giving your time and energy and attention to this podcast, I do not take that lightly. I truly, truly honor you for that. And I say thank you so much. If you are listening and you haven't yet done a rating or a review, side note, if you have any kind of a business or a passion project, remind people about it. You'll feel like you're being braggy or you're talking about yourself or you're pushing it. That's all your ego. It's not true. People have to be reminded. They forget. They have a lot going on in their lives, right? And as I just said, everything is trying to find ways to grab people's attention. Well, one of the people I saw today, Stephanie, I asked her friend, hey, if you do like it, I would love to have a rating or a review. A lot of people don't take time to do that. She said, I will do that. And Stephanie said, I've actually never done that. And she's been listening for a couple of years now. And it's okay, by the way. But my point is, again, this is a bunny trail, but if you want people to believe in what you are doing, you have to believe in it so much you're willing to talk about it. Wearing the sweatshirt wearing the brand, being the brand, breathing the brand, eat, drink, sleep the brand, and talk about it with people. No expectations. It's not pushy to say, hey, I'd be so grateful if you would do a rating and a review. That's not pushy because she appreciated it. She's like, oh my God, thank you for telling me that. I totally forgot. Turns out she listens to Spotify and they don't let you do that. But on if you're on iTunes and you listen, I would so appreciate a rating and review. Yeah, let's be honest. It feels good to my ego, but it also gives me great insight. I want to know what is it do you like about this? Because I care about what you want to hear. You're the listener. If you're someone who's listening, I want to hear what do you like? What do you want to hear more of? Why did it land well for you? And it also helps all of the listeners in this community because it gets this podcast out into more hands. Probably most importantly, it helps the world in general. Yes, this little podcast here helps the world in general because if you do a writing, a rating and a review, you are making a difference in the world. How? 
because we are raising the consciousness of people. Every little bit by bit, piece by piece, everybody's playing their part. And by you doing a rating and review and getting this podcast out there, it's getting this work, the inner work, the discovery of being conscious and finding who we are and healing and somatic release and, you know, rewriting our stories and all of that. More people wake up to that. So thanks in advance. All right. So the funny thing is that maybe a few days ago, I sat down to chat with you. And I put it in my story. If you don't follow me on Instagram, you didn't see it. I have a podcast account called BU Podcast underscore. And it's a tiny little account and I'm fine with it being tiny. I'm not using my main profile at all. And I'm loving it. I just want to connect with the listeners. They're the only people I really want to connect with at this point. So if you want to find me and connect with me, find me on there. So on my story last week, I put this on there. If you want to find it, go to my Instagram account and look at the highlights and it's under reviews. And I was talking about the news that we've gotten this week that, you know, we've been top 100, which is a big deal. There are about 2 million podcasts out there. We've been top 100 multiple times since like month five. You've heard me say that many times. What I didn't know until a few days ago is that we were ranking as high as like number two in countries like Norway. Yes, Norway is a tiny country, but it's pretty amazing. So thank you, Norway. Number like 52 in Italy, something like, I don't know, somewhere in the teens in Japan. And so... I sat down and I was thinking I was talking to you about that and about codependency and giving an example of how I saw that show up with my chickens. Yes, my chickens. So I thought it was at the time the best solo episode ever. Like I could just feel it. I could feel spirit moving through me. I could feel that I was not the one really consciously speaking the words. I was having fun. I was laughing. I thought it was hilarious. Then it was very deep and very spiritual. And guess what? After all that, I realized I never hit record. So my conclusion was that that was God humbling me because I had just found out how high we were ranking. I was so excited about that. And then I did this amazing episode and... As my kids used to say when they were in middle school, or as my grandson says, wah, 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 wah. Uh, I never hit record and you didn't hear it. So I am going to have that same conversation with you today. It won't be identical because if you're a new listener, you don't know that I don't have bullet points. I don't take notes. I don't plan out what I'm going to say. And that's how I like it. And those who listen to the show must like it too. So codependency. What in the hell does that have to do with me and my chickens? So let me first tell you a little bit about the chicken situation. So I live in Indiana and we live out in the country and we live on about 30 acres. And I had always wanted chickens. And a few years back, I went to an urgent care, maybe, I don't know, five years ago, I went to an urgent care because I had a UTI. And the physician assistant who took care of me was this young man. And he saw my address and he said, oh, you live out in the country? And I was like, why is he asking me that? I said, yes, as I was in excruciating pain and did not want to have conversation at all. And he said, okay, I've got a really interesting thing to tell you. So I live in a neighborhood with my wife and our children. I'm like, great, dude, I don't care. And why are you telling me this? But I smiled and smiled. Yeah, mm-hmm, as I'm in excruciating pain. And he said, well, we have everything from like peach and apple trees 
or maybe pear trees. I don't know. I'm like, you can have those in Indiana. I had no idea. And we have chickens, et cetera. And the people on our neighborhood association are kicking us out of the neighborhood. I'm like, what do you mean they're kicking you out? He's like, yo, they are so annoying. They're like reporting us. And there's, of course, you know, one or two women that make it their job and their life mission to turn us in and like spy on us. Meanwhile, he's like, our chickens don't make any noise. We have no roosters. Nobody knows unless they creep over our fence. And he's like, so right now we're trying to sell our house. And we want to live on the country, kind of like where you live. Like, do you like it there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he thought that's why he brought it up. I thought that's why he brought it up. But there was another reason that neither one of us knew. And that was, I had been wanting chickens for a while. I'd been talking about it with my husband, but I didn't know anything about chickens. What are you going to do? Just go out and grab a bunch of chickens? I didn't know how you do it. So we're having this conversation. And he tells me that they are putting their house on the market, but their realtor said, hey, here's the deal. You, you can't have the chickens here. And we were laughing. He's like, hopefully this will distract you from your pain. But he goes, what am I going to do? Like take him to a chicken sitter? Like how are we going to get rid of our chickens every time we have a showing? And we were laughing. I'm like, okay, that's hilarious. What if you tried to hide them? And we made some jokes. And I said, oh my gosh, I know the answer. What if I took your chickens? And he was like, what do you mean? I said, well, what you don't know is that I've been wanting chickens like really, really, really wanting chickens. What if I practice having chickens by taking care of your chickens and I do you the favor of taking them off your hands and you and your wife and kids can come visit them whenever you want and then whenever you move into your house, you take them back. And he was like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. We shook hands on it and then I came home and told my husband what we were doing. (laughs) It was amazing. It was the best experience ever. Cute little homeschooling family. I mean, these little girls were like giving me the lowdown. That's Gladys. That's Meryl. That's Judy. Okay. Now Judy's a little crazy because Judy will like run around in circles. Just, just let her be. She never knows what's going on. I mean, they told me everything about these chickens. They knew them so well and they were right. And I had so much fun. Like they would come up to my front door and like visit me at the same time every day. Then they would take a walk around my house and they would, you know, like flip their feathers around in our mulch. And I found out later that's called a dirt bath. If you already have chickens, yes, I'm a novice and I don't know anything, but it was so cute. The only problem is they pooped everywhere. They pooped all over our front porch. They pooped all over our driveway. My husband had to power wash it. He was not loving it, but I had a blast with these chickens. There were a few times where I went out to feed them and they hadn't, they didn't have any food because I kind of forgot to feed them and they started chasing me and I got so scared that I literally like threw the thing of food on the ground and took off running because I thought they were chasing me to hurt me. They were just starving and wanted their damn food. So lots of stories I could share, but it was such a fun experience. And then we decided to get our own chickens uh, last year. So I thought I got six hens, went to a little place like Rural King or Tractor Supply, I don't remember. And I'm like, how do I get chickens? She's like, you order them. Okay, well, order me up some chickens. I want girls, all girls, because I heard roosters can be mean and aggressive. And will they still lay eggs? I don't know if you know this, but I thought they had to have sex to lay eggs. No, the hens lay eggs. And then the men, the boys, the male chickens, roosters, fertilize the eggs. And that's when they turn into chicks. If they're not fertilized, they don't turn into chicks. Pretty interesting. So I ordered my hens. I couldn't wait to get them. I got them and 
I had this whole fantasy. Those of you who are parents, I know you know what I'm talking about. This whole fantasy of how it was going to be. I was going to be this amazing chicken mom. They were going to imprint onto me. So I would be their mom. They would follow me everywhere. I ordered silky chickens in particular because one, they're cute. Go look up on your phone right now, a silky chicken. Yes. Aren't they cute? That's what my chickens look like. And I also heard, well, read that the silky chickens were like really sensitive and they loved people and they wanted to be held. I was like, oh my God, I just can't wait to have my chickens. I'm so excited. And that if they're in a chicken coop with like other breeds of chickens, that they'll actually get bullied. I mean, these were the chickens for me. So this is what I ordered, six silky female chickens, hens. So I got them. And this is something I didn't say in the episode that never came to you. The funny thing is I thought it was going to be one way and it's never the way you think it's going to be. If you haven't had kids yet, kids yet, put your seatbelt on, trust me. It doesn't mean it's bad, but nothing's ever as you expect it to be. My former coach, Christine Hassler, who I talk about all the time, has a book called Expectation Hangover. I haven't read the book, but I love that term. I have expectation hangovers a lot. My husband always says, and he learned this in a business course once, Frustration is simply a result of mismanaged expectations. Yes, I know. So it's hard to live without expectations, but it's a great way to live. Anyway, I digress. So I'm back to the chickens. I had this fantasy in my head of the kind of chicken mom I was going to be and the bonding that would take place, et cetera. Here's what I didn't realize was going to happen. When they were chicks, every time I would pick them up, I would get freaked out because I would hold them and feel the little chicken feet and their little like bodies. And I, I don't know what it was. I would like set them down. I couldn't do it. And I was like, oh my God, they're not going to bond with me. They're not going to imprint on me. And then I felt bad about that. So I went into a loop, right? You know how we get into loops. And I started ignoring them. And I would go talk to them every single day, multiple times a day, but I couldn't, I didn't pick them up. I was afraid. The bigger they got, the more afraid I got to pick them up. I didn't think they were going to hurt me. It freaked me out having them in my hands. So then I was like, right, well, I ruined that. Now they're never going to bond with me. Does this sound familiar to you? If not, congratulations. If so, you're my people. So, well, you're all my people, but you know what I'm saying. So fast forward. What in the hell does that have to do with codependency? Well, a lot. We interpret the world as we are, not really as the world is. Every relationship we have is a reflection of us. It's a reflection of our internal world. It's a reflection of how we truly feel about ourselves, usually subconsciously. The way we see others has everything to do with us and nothing to do with them. You know, I don't know if you've heard this, but many people say that if you look at someone's pet, their cat, let's say, or their dog, the cat or dog resembles the person, not the way it physically looks. That's kind of what people say. The true meaning is, Everything that we suffer from, they usually suffer from. Usually that dog, let's say, has the same ailments, physical or emotional, that we do. So so they mimic us. So when we look at the chickens, what I realized, because I'm always asking God for spiritual lessons, I'm always saying, I let my eyes be your eyes, let my ears be your ears, let my thoughts be your thoughts. Let my words be your words. Speak through me. Speak to me. I am open to receiving your guidance all the time. 
And when I'm willing to tune into it, which is what we talked about in the last episode, I get all kinds of guidance, even in the most unexpected ways like my chickens. So don't underestimate how your creator will speak to you and give you messages. So in looking at my chickens, they resemble me in one way. The way I take care of them is the way I take care of myself. All or nothing, last. Now, I love my chickens. I adore my chickens. You would think that I put them ahead of me if I, if that's an issue of mine. You know, I, I've battled martyrdom my whole life and guilt and their best friends. But that's not what the story is for me. What I realize is, as I look at my chickens, I don't put them ahead of me. God is showing me that the way I care for them is the way I care for me. It's a mirror for me, like a literal mirror. Like I can look at them and go, yep. So the way I take care of them, the way I don't take care of them, the way I forget to take care of them is exactly the way I treat myself. Another lesson I got, oh, let me tell you about that. So the example is that as much as I love them, as much as I talk about how much I love them, if I'm really, really, really honest with you, I forget sometimes to feed them, like regularly. Like I'll be in the kitchen, I'll go, shit, and I'll run out there and they're starving. Like there's no food. Sometimes there's been no water. Please don't send me hate mail. It's not intentional. And I I think, why do I do that? Because I love them more than anyone else loves them. How do I do that? I'm like, shit. It's the same reason I forget to drink water. It's the same reason sometimes it's two o'clock and I haven't eaten anything. The same reason that I take care of everybody else and forget about myself. And then I end up sick and laying in bed and can't get out of bed for three days. You know, when we ask for guidance and we ask for messages and we ask for magic, we have no idea how it's actually going to show up. Just like my idea of what it was going to be like taking care of those chickens. I imagine it one way, but that's not the way it turned out. It doesn't mean it turned out worse or bad at all. It's just not what I envisioned in my fantasy. Same with receiving guidance from our creator, from higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it. It's not going to come the way we're expecting. It's likely not going to come the way we're even fantasizing. It's going to come in the most unexpected ways. Bumping into a stranger, someone reminding you of something when you look at them. Tap into that feeling. When you get a feeling in your body, pause and go, what is this telling me? What are you telling me? What do I need to see here? So many times when I would forget to feed my chickens, one of two things would happen or actually both. One, it would trigger guilt. If you listen to the show, you know that I'm someone who has battled, danced with, been poisoned by, married to, and tried to escape guilt my entire life. I have a love-hate trauma bond with guilt. I could do a whole show on why. But for me, that's one of my biggest lessons. How to live without feeling guilty about fucking everything. Everything. I can find a way to feel guilty about anything. Now, like with any addiction, and it would I would say it's an addiction, what's the first step? Awareness. Admitting that you have a problem. So I see it now at least, number one. Number two, I've been doing everything I can to go to the source, find out where it comes from and heal that part of me and put love there. So that's why I feel way less guilty now than I ever have in the past. 
The hook, because we all have a hook, my hook is still my kids. See, my guilt is using my kids and now my chickens. (laughs) As my kids have left the house, now my chickens as a way to keep me feeling guilty. Why? Because we want to feel safe. Our ego wants to feel safe all the time. It's always looking for danger and it's always looking for safety. And safety is what? If you listen to the show, you know the answer. Safety is what? It's not really safety. It's what feels familiar. So from childhood, even if it's subconscious and you don't remember, whatever was familiar to you is what feels safe to you. So you will go out and look for that in bad relationships, guys that are not kind to you, friends who don't treat you the way you should be treated, so many different ways. So in looking at my chickens, one, they trigger my guilt. They feed into that hook of, well, I got to feel guilty about something. Why? Why, why, why? Well, now this isn't rational, right? This is all what I've discovered in looking at myself. When we talk about be you, it's not just clink your champagne glass and say, I'm going to be myself. Who the fuck are you? Right? Find her, the healed version of her, the whole version of her, not the broken one, not the one with all the trauma and the stories, the real you, the highest self you. Yeah, that you. So when I look at, you know, that guilt, the guilt that is triggered when I interact with these chickens and I realize I haven't fed them, for example, right? It's triggering the guilt that I felt as a child because my guilt wants to be with me forever because my ego wants to feel safe and what's safe is what's familiar and what's familiar is feeling guilty all the time as a child. Okay. So I know there are several parts to what I'm saying, but I promise you it's all coming together. So as I looked at my chickens, one, that story is triggered of me feeling guilty, not good enough. I'm not doing it right. But the other thing, as I mentioned, is I realize that I'm taking care of them or not taking care of them the way I do and do not take care of myself. It was God saying to me, let me show you. This is how bad it is, Jill. You want to see how fucking bad it is? Look at your chickens. That's literally what you do to yourself. Like, why are you doing this? You have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. You have to take care of you. Now, many times we aren't fast learners when it comes to ourselves because our ego does not want to die and our ego wants to hang on to old patterns because that's what it knows. It's honestly just trying to protect us. So it's taken a while for me to figure this out. So the feeling I would get, it's not like God would speak to me. I'd, I'd feed my chickens and some angel would go, this is you, <laughs> right? Most of you are highly sophisticated in your in your growth journey and in your inner work. And some of you are in the very beginning steps of that. So it's not necessarily that. It's usually a feeling in your body. Something feels familiar. It's like you'll have a thought of, this kind of seems like, yes, that's the answer. If you ever have the thought, I almost think, it almost seems like, yes, yes, that's guidance. So every time I would forget, one, I would feel guilty, but two, some sort of awareness in my body would say, oh my God, this is just what you do to yourself. So another lesson from my chickens is that, and this usually is related to codependency, but let's just talk about that. What is codependency? We could spend hours talking about it, but basically in a nutshell, like if you're okay, then I'm okay. What you think of me is what I think of me. I'm only okay if I know that you're okay. We don't have a sense of self. For some reason, and there are so many reasons this could happen, in childhood, 
we felt that we, our feelings didn't matter and that we didn't matter. What mattered is the feelings of other, someone else. So for example, for me as a child, my parents argued all the time and sometimes it got physical. And my entire life as a child, I mean, from the time I can remember, all I felt was guilty, sad, alone, scared. And my only wish in life, only wish was that my parents would be okay. They'd stop fighting and my mom would stop crying. And every night as I went to bed, I would say to God, please, I only want one thing. Please make my mommy stop crying. Please, I just want my mommy to be happy. I just want my mom to stop crying. Please, I just want her to be happy. Now, there's nothing wrong with a child wanting their mother to be happy. But my whole energy and existence and my only purpose that I saw in life was to be invisible and be quiet and be really, really good and perfect because the focus really was my mom needed to be happy and I couldn't be happy unless what? Unless she was happy. I share that story not because I need to tell you about my childhood, but because that's a great example and illustration of how codependency can start. So then as we grow up, subconsciously, right? You're not aware. It's not conscious. We attract people that mimic that. And forever without realizing it, we feel I can't be okay unless they're okay. Boyfriend, girlfriend. I can't feel okay or be happy unless they are my children. All right. So and the way you and I heal that, right, is what? Find, create a sense of self. We have to create boundaries, almost like a, a guard around yourself, like an energetic field around yourself. Picture, picture like a fence around yourself. Boundaries. You have to create boundaries because boundaries are not something that is normal if you have codependent issues. So we create boundaries. We connect to ourselves. How do we connect to ourselves? To our body. We reconnect with our physical body, right? We start focusing inward instead of outward. I don't need to look at you to find out if I'm okay because what? I know I'm okay. How do I know that? Because I tell myself that. I connect with my body and I say, I am safe. I am loved. I'm okay. I'm more than okay. I'm safe. I'm safe. Another reason to say I'm safe, remember, is because safety is what feels familiar to us. What feels familiar is usually not good. So I think I feel safe in that volatile relationship because that feels familiar. That's not safe. I need to feel safe in my body. Feel safe in my body, reconnect to my body, ground into the earth and into myself. Start listening to myself. What do I think about that? What is my body telling me about that? What is God telling me through me? What wisdom does my body have? Instead of looking to answers, looking for answers everywhere else, looking for opinions from everybody else, looking for safety everywhere else outside of ourselves, feeling comfortable being alone, learning to feel comfortable and safe being alone, learning to feel comfortable and safe in the quiet, without distraction, without technology, without chaos, without drama. Okay, so more lessons from the chickens. Another lesson from my chickens which showed me more about me. This is why I realized I got these chickens because God's like, well, she sure as hell didn't learn it having kids. Five kids later, youngest one is 18 years old and she's still dealing with this shit. Let's give her some chickens. Okay. So I had a few baby chicks that were born that died. My fault. First thing I thought of is what did I do wrong? I didn't feed them or I didn't do this or it was too hot. 
It was, it was my fault. My husband's like, you know, chickens do die. Maybe they just died. I couldn't imagine that. And the most recent example is I have this one chicken. So I have all my chickens are all like gray, but mostly black and they're adorable. And I have one that's white and I named her Betty White. So if you're one of our young listeners, you know who Betty White is. I think it's so fascinating that young people, like really young people in their twenties know exactly who Betty White is because she's such a legend. She was such a legend, still is. But I named her Betty White. Later I found out she was a he. So we say that she transitioned to Barry White. Now, if you're young, you probably don't know who Barry White is, but Barry White was like a very, very, very famous, famous, famous R&B singer. So Betty is now Barry. So Betty is a rooster. Remember I told her I thought I had six hens? Nope, not so much. One of the Amish guys where I live, we have a lot of Amish. I don't know. I mean, we have listeners all over Africa. We have listeners in so many countries. Amish people are in different parts of our country And in my country where I live, we have a lot of Amish. And so they use no electricity. They dress in the women wear bonnets and they make all their own clothing. They're extremely conservative in the way they dress. And they're people that live among our community, but in their own private community. So they interact with us in our community, but they live in their own community. And so there was, side note, so there was an Amish person who was building a deck on our home. And he said, we heard the cockle-doodle-doo. And I said, I have a question for you. I've been hearing a cockle-doodle-doo for a long time. Isn't it just roosters that do that? And he said, yep. I said, well, someone told me that hens will sometimes mimic the cockle-doodle-doo of a rooster if you have a rooster nearby. And we've got roosters. Our neighbors have roosters. He's like, "Uh, no, ma'am, you don't just have one rooster. I said, what did you just say? He said, you've got three. I'm like, what you talking about, Willis? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we have 600 chickens where I live. And I said, oh my God, you're positive? He's like, yeah, you have three roosters. I've walked over there and looked. So I found out I had three roosters. And the problem with three roosters and three hens is not just the whole issue of them like over mating them, like literally they can injure them trying to breed with them constantly, but they also get quite aggressive and they fight with each other. So there would be cockfights, literal cockfights in our hen house, well, chicken house. And at one point, one of my roosters was killed. I think Barry White did it. And the reason I think Barry White did it, formerly Betty White, is because Barry White was a menace. He was a bully. He was mean. He was constantly the one cock-a-doodle doing the loudest. He had to always be in the front. He had to show everybody who was boss. Like he just, he was just aggressive and he was a hundred percent like dominated the entire, what do you say, flock of chickens. And it really pissed me off because he was annoying. And recently I let the chickens dine al fresco. I don't have free range chickens. I know that's the best thing to have, but we have coyote and fox and all kinds of things where I live and they would be eaten very quickly. So, and giant hawks. So I don't let them run around all the time. But I did decide to let them out and let them run around for a while and they loved it. Having a nice little bonding moment. We're all hanging out together. And I noticed that loud mouth, big mouth, bully, Barry White, it's really quiet. Barry White's laying down. Barry White doesn't ever lay down. And I'm like, Barry, what's wrong with you? 
He won't even look up. I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong? And I'm like, is it the weather? No, everyone else seems fine. And one of the other, well, the other rooster that was living, because remember I had three, jumped on top of him and started pecking at its head, like trying to kill him. And I had to get him off of him. And I'm like, my God, what is going on? Well, I realized that at some point, Barry like broke his leg. I have no idea how. It was really sad. And so I immediately felt guilty. What did I do wrong? How can I fix him? I was obsessing over it. Can I take him to the vet? Can we do something? I could not stop thinking about it. My husband's like, Jill, he's a chicken. Like, dude, this isn't our dog. I'm like, I don't care. I can't take it. Right? If he's not okay, I'm not okay. I couldn't be happy because he wasn't happy. Have you ever heard the saying, if you're not a mom, listen to this. I heard this about 10 years ago. And then someone said it again recently. Essentially, there are many versions, but essentially, a mother is only as happy as her saddest child. I'm going to say that again. A mother can only be as happy as her saddest child. I heard that and I was like, oh my God, yes. Then when I heard it recently from my friend, Kathy, hey, Kath, I don't know if you're listening. I was like, you know what? That is true, but that's not healthy. That's how we live, but that's not peace. That's not true love. That's living from a place of fear. So we tell women that, but that really doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be that way. No matter how much our children are suffering, it's going to just hurt us more than anyone else in the world, but we still can be happy. They are not the thermostat for our happiness. We are. And trust me, this has been really, really hard for me the past year. Anyway, so I wanted to do something about the broken leg, et cetera, et cetera. And I decided, okay, I'm going to do something really uncomfortable and I'm going to do nothing. I'm not going to blame myself. I'm going to let it go. He was an asshole. He was mean to everybody anyway. And I'll just check on him every few days and see what happens. Well, guess what? You guys totally humbled him. I mean, he's now their bitch. (laughs) These women are in charge. There's one rooster now standing. There's one with a broken leg who can barely walk, walks on one leg, and he's quiet. He knows his place. He doesn't bully anybody. I think it might be an example of the karma bus because I think he killed the other rooster and now he got his. But either way, it's a whole different vibe. My chickens are now bonding with me. I open the door and they run to me. It's like, I could cry right now. Like it's exactly how I envisioned it when I got them. And I think it's not going to be long before they're sitting in my lap and letting me hold them. And it's been great. So these lessons I've been sharing with you, the lessons of, you know, everything is my fault, going into guilt, how I take care of them and don't is how I take care of and don't take care of myself, like a total mirror being shown to me so I can look at that and see how really how bad it is and decide if I'm going to do it differently. And then my desire to like rescue Barry White. Like I wanted to rescue and intervene and jump in there and save him. And some of you cannot relate to this, but I bet, I bet there are a lot of people who can, especially women, especially mothers. The desire to save and rescue. I'm going to intervene and I'm going to like, like try to block your karma. Why? Is it because I'm such a nice person and because that's what I used to think? No, it comes from my own wounding. Because remember, 
If you're not okay, I'm not okay. And if you're okay, I am. So I'm going to save you the suffering and I'm going to intervene and block your suffering and I'll just take the suffering on for you. The problem is when we do this with kids is that if I intervene and I accept your suffering, all I'm doing is suffering for no reason because you're still going to get your lesson. I'm just prolonging your karma. I'm wrapping you in bubble wrap and trying to block it, the pain, because it feels so good to do that. But what's going to happen is I'm not God. So you are going to end up getting your lesson and probably a more difficult lesson down the road because I delayed and prolonged the lesson you were supposed to get. And so my temporary suffering meant nothing. There was no reason to suffer because you're going to get your lesson anyway. So poor Barry was going to get his lesson anyway. And I'm so glad that I was able to practice with him what I have not practiced with my kids. It's been really, really hard for me. Watching children suffer, it's like, it is something I don't wish on any mother. And watching a child a child learn a very painful lesson, dear God, it's just so hard for some of us, harder for some of us than others. So remember, as you're looking at your life, with or without chickens, are you able to create a strong sense of self? Remember that you are a sovereign being, that you have the answers. Your creator has the answers through you, but your body also holds so much wisdom. Are you able to put boundaries up so that you can connect with you and feel safe in your own body and with yourself and by yourself so that you're not looking safe for safety outside of yourself? I know you can, but are you willing to do it? What ways are you looking outside of yourself for safety? It might be looking for approval. It might be looking for applause, attention, social media likes. It might be looking to see who how many people watched your reel on Instagram or TikTok. It might be looking for compliments from your spouse or from society or your mother-in-law or your mom or your dad. It might be looking for significance and safety through how fast do people text me back or how many invitations do I get to events or parties or to lunch or coffee. It might be alcohol, looking for safety by numbing with alcohol. It could be anything, but where am I looking outside of myself for safety, for a sense of self, for security, for worthiness? How often am I doing that? Am I aware of that? Can I be aware of that? Can I look at the example and not shame myself and go, oop, there I did it again. I'm going to go back to myself. Oh my God, I'm doing it again. I'm going back to myself. When you do it, you can't shame yourself and then you ruin the whole thing. Just say, that's okay. That part of me that looks outside of myself or the codependent part of me, the one that rescues, the one that looks for approval from everybody else because otherwise I don't feel enough. That's okay because that was the part of me that was protecting me as a child. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't need that anymore. Why? Because I am safe. I am enough. I am loved. I am love. I have a direct line to my creator. I need nothing to feel good enough, worthy, loved. I need none of that. I have it right here. The more often you are willing to do that, the less you will ever 
look outside of yourself for anything. It won't be a battle of trying to go through life not caring what people think because you literally won't care what people think. Why? Because you won't be looking to them for anything. You'll have no expectation. Because why? Because you won't need anything from them. Their opinion will literally mean nothing. Not just saying you don't care because you're confident. No, it will literally mean nothing because you don't attach that to your worth. All right, so I have something I'm going to read to you. It's from the same booklet I read from last week, the Red Tent booklet that was gifted to me when my friend had the Red Tent ceremony for my 50th birthday. This is so good. It has everything to do with what we just talked about. It's called Then and Now, and it has an unknown author. I was so involved in protecting your feelings that I did not honor mine. I was so involved in trying to make you happy that I couldn't find my own happiness. I was so involved in seeking your acceptance that I didn't accept myself. I was so involved in trying to look pretty for you that I lost my sense of inner beauty. I was so involved in taking care of you that I didn't take care of myself. I was so involved in nurturing you that I did not nurture myself. I was so involved in loving you that I didn't love myself. I honor my feelings today. Now I can empathize with yours. I have found my own sense of happiness today and now I can share in yours. I accept myself today. Now I accept you unconditionally. I see the inner beauty in myself today. Now I see the beauty in you. I take time to nurture myself daily. Now I can nurture you. I love myself today. Now I can return your love. So if something in this episode touched your heart, meant anything to you, please share it with your friends, text it to them, ask them to subscribe so they get notifications for all new episodes, which come out every Monday. Please share on social media. Give us a rating and a glowing review. Know that you are so appreciated by me and by everyone in the BU community. And as we always close this show, I will say, breathe, love yourself, and surrender. Surrender.